God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. Jesus Christ, He is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ, He is the way, He is the truth, and He is the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when He lived and walked among people. And He makes a difference today because He was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. We have a very exciting program today. We'll hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding the topic of mankind's greatest need, and in the second half hour, our topic of discussion will be the Holy Spirit field with teacher and lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois, Reverend Bob Carden. Let's start off with this song by Building 429, We Won't Be Shaken.
trust in you and we won't be shaken we will trust in you we will not be moved we will trust in you yeah we won't be shaken we will trust in Today, let's take a look at man's greatest need. I'd like to start in Matthew chapter 16, if you have a Bible handy, in verse 26. It says, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? What would it mean to you if you had become one of the wealthiest people in the world? You had all that your heart might desire. Everywhere you went, people knew who you were, and they paid homage to you, hoping to receive some favor from you. You were powerful. You were much desired by others to be one's friend. Your life was full with all that the world has to offer, yet you did not know God. Your life was lost. So much of people's lives today are spent seeking after the rewards and riches of this world. They pursue after the pride of life and the lust of the flesh. Well, what would be the pride of life? The pride of life is to present an illusion of importance. It's an arrogance that promotes oneself above others, even above the need for God. While the lust of the flesh, well, that's to accumulate more and more, never having enough and never satisfied. It leads to valuing an individual by the things which they possess. There are many in this world that have gained much, much less than the whole world, and yet their life is lost. You know, I don't need an illusion of importance to try and convince others of who I am or who I am not, nor do I need more things to evidence my lack of satisfaction. What I truly need, and I believe if you're honest, that you would say the same, what I truly need is more of God, more of an intimacy with my Heavenly Father, a deeper and richer relationship with the Creator of the heavens and the earth. Mankind's greatest need is a relationship with the one true God. Let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter 3. Very familiar verse, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. 
Let me read that again, because it's not just a trite saying, even though maybe we've heard that verse a hundred times. It is a rich, revealing truth regarding God's love for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten Son, that when you believe in him, you should not perish, but have everlasting life. To not believe in Jesus Christ, even if you had gained the whole world, would be to perish after having lived these 70, 80, 90 years. To have believed in Jesus Christ, no matter how little or how much you may have gained in the world, would be to have eternal life. God's favor toward you has allowed Him to give you His only begotten Son. God's bountiful kindness towards you has allowed the Creator of the heavens and the earth to extend His tender hand of mercy and grace, asking you to take hold and allowing Him to lead you and to guide you and to walk with you through this life. In the introduction of every one of these Solution Radio shows, I always say that God's love for you, it knows no bounds. You know there is not a limit to the love the Father has for you. He is love. That is His very nature. Jesus Christ, He always did the Father's will. He exhibited the love of God in His service toward mankind and in his obedience to his heavenly Father. Let's look uh, still in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, and verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, he knew that his, his death was to arrive shortly, he knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. He loved them unto the end. The end here is not referring to a period of time. It is referring to the furthest extent, completely. Jesus Christ loved unto the end of doing whatever it took in service to give people the heart of God. Jesus loved completely. There was not a trace of ulterior motive or hope of personal gain when Jesus Christ loved. Continuing in chapter 13 of John, verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rises from supper and lays aside his garments and he took a towel and he girded himself. Verse 5, After that he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. In biblical times it was customary for the lowest person of the bond slaves to wash the dusty feet of his master's household and guests. Jesus Christ, he humbled himself to perform the lowliest duty of the lowliest servant in that culture by washing the feet of his disciples. He did what even the disciples would not have had an inclination to do for one another. Continuing in John 13, let's move over to verse 12. So after he had washed their feet, and had taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, 
Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15. For I have given you an example, that ye should do as I have done to you. Jesus Christ, he was a living example of the love that the Father has for people. His heart of service in obedience to God was bound in love and displayed toward his disciples when he washed their feet. His example shows us that we are to do as he did, which is to be willing to do whatever our Father requests to bless and take care of his people. Verse 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. In this sterling, wonderful example of God's love, we see Jesus Christ love completely to the end of all that is required in service. And also here the disciples are exhorted to do the same. Continuing in John 13, if we go over to verse 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. This word love in the Greek here is not the word for brotherly love. In the Greek it is the word agapeo. Agapeo is the love of God. It's the love of God that has no limits and knows no bounds. It's the love of God that so loves that it always gives. It's the love of God that is obedient in service to the end of whatever is needed. God's love is a complete love. There are no hidden agendas found in the love of God. Jesus Christ said the people of the world will know that you are a follower of me, that you are an obedient one that does all that is requested by the Father. How would they know? Because you love one another with the love of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. We'll read here verses 1 through 9. And you hath he quickened or made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2. Wherein, and that wherein refers back to the trespasses and sins of verse 1. Wherein, in the trespasses and sins of verse 1, in time past, you walked or behaved and lived according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works or energizes in the children of disobedience. Verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation or our manner of life, our behavior, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Verse 4. But, <laughs> it's a huge word, but, in contrast to all that, God, who is rich or abundant in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins, he quickened or made alive us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And he has raised us up together 
and he has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What mercy, what love, what grace. Not a one of us could ever earn the privilege of having been made quickened or alive together with Christ, let alone to be seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies with Christ Jesus. That is the great love of God. Look where the love of God takes us. Verse 7, That in the ages to come, He, God, might show or put on display the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. It's going to take all eternity for God to show you how much He loves you. And He will show the greatness of His love to all His creation by what He does for His people. Verse 8, For by grace, God's undeserved divine favor, are you saved through faith or believing, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Eternal life. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Man's greatest need is the gift from God of eternal salvation. That gift of Holy Spirit is available to all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. At that moment, a relationship begins with the Creator, the Creator that knows you personally by name. He knows you more intimately than you know yourself, and He loves you. God's abundant favor and rich mercy are displayed by His love for you. What good is it to be esteemed in the eyes of the world because of all you gained in the world, and not to have received eternal life. That's a very sad, wasted life that perishes. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, And hope makes us not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. The love that Jesus Christ spoke of in the Gospels, whereby all men would know those who followed Him, is this love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts. When we received the Holy Spirit in the new birth, God's love is included in the gift. Each of us is to make the choice to live that love. Ephesians chapter 5, let's look at verses 1 and 2. Verse 1, Be ye therefore followers or imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love, live love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Jesus Christ did more than just wash our feet. He gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice for our sins. And it was pleasing to God. It was a sweet-smelling savor. It was God's love and God's will that Jesus Christ die for you. Because of the depth of love our Savior has for you, you have been saved by God's grace. Because of the gift of Holy Spirit and the love of God which has been shed abroad in our hearts, we are able to imitate God by walking in love one toward another. What a life we have to be able to love others unconditionally from a deep well of compassion that never goes dry. To see people as our Heavenly Father sees people. To view the value of your life as your Heavenly Father esteems you. To get a glimpse of the light of God's love 
That will energize your heart to love as he loves. 1 John chapter 4, uh, let's start at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. Verse 9, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. God has displayed His love toward you by the sending of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are able to live through Christ and His accomplished work on our behalf. That is how we are able to walk in love. Verse 10, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the full payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us, and His love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him and he in God. Verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. And that's today. Today is the day of man's judgment. This day of judgment here is not talking about the day of God's judgment coming up in the future as detailed in the book of Revelation. We are to have boldness today. The rest of the verse shows us how that's possible. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, as Jesus Christ is, as Christ Jesus is, seated at God's right hand, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment, he that fears is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in love. Think of how often fear has kept us from doing what we know we should do, or from saying what we know we should say. Well, God's love, it casts out fear. We have God's love shed abroad in our hearts. When we realize what God has forgiven us from and how great His love is, how could we ever not forgive another or love the so-called unlovable? Chapter 5, verse 1. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loves him that begat loves him also that is begotten of him, referring to the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, verse 3, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous, they're not burdensome. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith or believing. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Don't gain the whole world and lose your own soul. Your life is more than titles, riches, and the praise of men. Your life is hid in Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. 
Man, I want to tell y'all something, man. Man, I'm not going to let these material things get in my way, y'all.
about your retirement? As an Ameriprise Financial Advisor, Mark Yackey can help with the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Mark Yackey, Certified Financial Planner, today at 630-955-1400. Office is located at 2323 Naperville Road, Suite 150, Naperville, Illinois. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Providing all your home repair needs, John's Handyman Service has been serving the Naperville and Aurora area for 10 years. From carpentry to bathroom remodels, painting to electrical work, no job is too big or too small for John. As a retired Army veteran, John prides himself with being on time every time. Call the handyman with experience. Call John's Handyman Service. John will even tackle that basement finishing project or deck build. Just call John's Handyman Service at 630-392-4970. That's 630-392-4970. Our guest today has been in Christian ministry for over 30 years. He is the author of One God, the Unfinished Reformation. Our topic of discussion today will be the Holy Spirit field. He is a teacher and lead pastor at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville, Illinois. I'd like to welcome Reverend Bob Carden. Welcome, Bob. Thank you, Greg. It's a blessing to be here with you today. It's great to have you here as well. Our first question today as we get into the topic of the Holy Spirit field One of the areas of Scripture which you have studied and taught for over 35 years is the Holy Spirit field. From a biblical perspective, what did God give to the apostles on the day of Pentecost, and is it still available to receive today? Well, let me start with the second question, Greg. It is certainly still available for every Christian believer to receive and to operate God's gift of Holy Spirit. Pentecost is widely understood to be the start of the Christian church, and what occurred on Pentecost is available to the Christian church until Christ returns to gather us. Now, so that's the answer to the second question, but what did God give on the day of Pentecost that is still available today? Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of the uh, chapter 2 in the book of Acts, Peter declares that they were to receive or could receive the gift of Holy Spirit. So that on Pentecost, God poured out his gift of Holy Spirit. And if you back up a little further on that, earlier on the day of Pentecost, during that sermon, Peter quotes from the prophet Joel, and he connects what was happening in 
acts with the prophecies in the Old Testament about the pouring forth of God's Spirit upon all flesh. And this is something that had been promised throughout the Old Testament. Jesus Christ in the Gospel said that when he ascended to the Father, he would send forth a comforter. He would send forth the Spirit of truth. And that was not going to be available, of course, until Christ had been crucified, raised from the dead, and ascended to sit at God's right hand. Once all that had occurred, God was once again able to have a relationship with man as sons and daughters, and he poured forth his gift of Holy Spirit, which allows us to share in his nature. Mm -hmm. That's really awesome that he has made that available for us in this day and time. Absolutely. Now, we know there are many different denominations, and there are just as many different opinions about the Holy Spirit field. Today, two main perspectives are the evangelical and the Pentecostal. Could you elaborate on those and what you consider to be true biblical perspective on the Holy Spirit field? Certainly. Since the Reformation, the Christian Church has continued to grow and learn and recover some of the great truths that was lost that were lost during the first few centuries of the church. And, of course, we're all familiar with Martin Luther, salvation by faith through grace. And this is just one of the great truths that had been recovered. Today, Christianity has perhaps two broad paths within the Protestant tradition, and that is the evangelical and the charismatic or Pentecostal movement. And so if you were to ask me, am I evangelical or charismatic, I would answer yes, because I don't make a choice on that. And I don't think that a choice needs to be made because both of them have valid points. The evangelical perspective today is most uh, evidenced by a high regard for Scripture as the Word of God, that the Bible is the Word of God. And on the other hand, the charismatic movement emphasizes the power of the Holy Spirit, which we just talked about in our first question, that that is still available today, and that's where the charismatic movement has put its emphasis. These two are not at odds with one another, Mm -hmm. although at times it might appear that way, because if you go to perhaps the furthest evangelical position, that would be, we have the written and perfect Word of God, which we would agree on, and that's all that we need, Mm -hmm. which I would not agree with. I believe that that gift of Holy Spirit was given to us so that we could walk with God on a daily basis and in in an intimate fashion. Now, on the charismatic side, oftentimes they get to the place where experience reigns, that, okay, the Spirit moved me. But you really need both the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And you start with the Word. Because God's Word is what outlines His will for our lives. And God would never do something or energize His Spirit in a way that goes contrary to the written Word of God. So we need both. We start with the written Word. That explains to us His gift of Holy Spirit. And then we are able to walk in its power as we go about our daily lives. That's excellent. That really explains a biblical perspective of how the Spirit and the Word work together. Which they certainly do. Yes. Well, you know, we often hear others, and sometimes ourselves as well, speak of being born again or being born from above. Could you explain to us what it is or what happens when one is born again? The term born again, and many times it is used in our culture, uh, are you a born again Christian? And that is really a repetitive statement, because if you are born again, you are a Christian. Mm 
And if you are a Christian, you are born again. The way our popular culture uses the term born-again Christian is to describe a Christian who is serious about his faith. However, in the Bible, it means something quite different. Of course, I'm a big advocate of Christians being serious about their faith, but that's not what born-again means. And Jesus Christ used this in John chapter 4 when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born again, or born from above is another way to translate uh, that phrase into English. And to be born from above really relates back to your first question about receiving the gift of Holy Spirit. Because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, it is available for you and I to be partakers of the divine nature, which is what it says in Second Peter. And to be born again means literally that you are God's son or daughter by spirit. Now, this is a little different than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is called the only begotten son of God. Mm -hmm. God was both his physical father and his spiritual father, whereas for us, God is our heavenly spiritual father. So we are born again of God's spirit, and we receive that new birth gift of Holy Spirit when we trust in Jesus Christ, which we can do by confessing that he is our Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. That's the most straightforward description of it, which mm -hmm. is in the book of Romans chapter 10. Well, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. God made it so very simple that you just can't miss it. <laughs> He had to make it simple. He was dealing with us. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, it's interesting because in Romans, it describes being saved, uh, which is simply another synonym for the new birth. It describes it as confessing Jesus as Lord and believing that God raised him from the dead. And the book of Romans, when it was originally written, had a large Gentile population who would have received it. So they needed to have things described in a way that they would understand it. If you go to 1 John, it says that anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born from above. And that was written to people who were from a Judean background, and they would understand what it meant to be the Christ. Mm -hmm. A Roman would not understand what it meant to be Christ, but a Jew would understand that this would include all the prophecies of the Old Testament, including that he would be Lord, as it says in Psalm 110, that God would raise him from the dead, as it says in the Old Testament. So you see, God describes this in different ways, depending on the audience that he is addressing. Hmm. That's a very, very clear explanation. Thank you. In the book of Acts, we see multiple occasions where people accepted Jesus Christ and became born again. Without fail, almost every time, the one thing the believers in the first century church did was speak in tongues. Is speaking in tongues still available today? And if so, uh, why would it be something we'd want to do? Well, since the gift of Holy Spirit is still available today which is what Peter announced on the day of Pentecost, since that is still available today, then the power of that Holy Spirit is also still available today. And speaking in tongues is just one of the ways that God's gift of Holy Spirit can be energized in a Christian man or woman. So it is certainly available today. And as to why we would want to speak in tongues today, there are some simple reasons. If, if God has made something available to us, there must be a reason, and we should utilize that. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14 that he wished that we would all speak in tongues. So we have Paul making this clear declaration that it is something for all Christians. But beyond that, we also have within the Bible different benefits or blessings that would accrue to us when we speak in tongues. And there are several. There's three, I think, that can be highlighted 
One is that speaking in tongues is prayer by the Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, since when a person speaks in tongues, they do not understand what they are saying, you might ask the question, well, what is the good of prayer by the Spirit? And the book of Romans explains this for us, because when we pray for someone, we might know that they have a need, but we don't always know what the best answer would be. We might have an answer in our mind. We might be praying for something like, I would really like this job at IBM. But God might know in his foreknowledge that if I took that job at IBM, it would take all my time away from ministry. So I might be praying for one thing, but God would like to give me another. When you speak in tongues, that is prayer directed by the Spirit. And you are praying, you are making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Another benefit of speaking in tongues is that it builds you up spiritually. This is also in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which contains a lot of information on speaking in tongues. But it is the only place in the Bible that it speaks of building you up when you speak in tongues. Now, it can't be talking about your physical body, because you could try speaking in tongues and not eating, and you would discover you're soon going to be hungry again. (laughs) It's not going to build up your mind, because you don't understand what you're saying, so you have no comprehension of what you are saying when you speak in tongues. What it does build up is this spirit that God has poured out upon you. And the third really great benefit of speaking in tongues is that it allows us to participate in what Jesus Christ called worship by the Spirit. And that's from John chapter 4, again, the discussion with Nicodemus. He said that God is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Well, what exactly does that mean? Well, if you're going to worship by way of the Spirit, you have to have the Spirit, which we have as Christians. It's been poured out upon us. But in what fashion can we worship God by the Spirit? And I don't want to limit this because God might have a much broader view, but I can give you one example of speaking in tongues from chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. It talks about Paul saying, I will pray with the Spirit, which I just spoke of, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing praises with the Spirit, and I will sing praises with the understanding also. When you speak in tongues, you are speaking praises to God, which relates back to what Jesus said in John 4 about worshiping God by the Spirit. So those are just three of the benefits to continue to speak in tongues this day. Mm, Three awesome benefits that would, oh gosh, an understanding of any one of those three would make me want to desire to speak in tongues more in my prayer life. Absolutely. If, if if worship were the only thing that speaking in tongues were good for, I'd want to do it all the time. Mm-hmm, right. But it has many other benefits, several I haven't even mentioned. Well, now that brings me to another question, because I, I've heard this talked about before, too. Is it available to receive Holy Spirit, to become a child of God, and not to speak in tongues? It is, Greg, because they're two separate issues. Being born again or receiving Christ as your Savior, receiving God's gift of Holy Spirit, is something that you do when you decide to make Jesus your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. So then you have received that gift. You might not ever do anything with that gift. Mm-hmm. You might have, I'm sure, received a gift at Christmas time, perhaps from your children, that you didn't quite know what it was and you never have used it. So you can receive a gift and not utilize it. And the same is true with God's gift of Holy Spirit. But we want to utilize, we want to benefit from and operate everything that God has made available in Christ. I mean, these are all things that Christ 
got for us when he died on the cross. And if it was worth dying on the cross for, it should be worth our pursuing it in our lives. So it is available to not speak in tongues and be a Christian, certainly. But my question would be, why? Bob, as we close out our conversation, uh, what's on your heart today that you'd like to share with the listeners to encourage them in the things of God and to live for God today? Well, there are a couple of things, Greg. I think that since we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, I'd like to add a little bit about how simple it is to walk out in God's power and to speak in tongues. On the day of Pentecost, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the Holy Spirit was first poured out, there's a verse that explains everything a man or a woman needs to know in order to speak in tongues. And Acts 2, 4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. As I lead people into speaking in tongues, this is really the only verse that I need if the person is already a Christian. If the person is not already a Christian, I need two verses. I need Romans 10, verse 9, to explain to them about confessing Jesus as Lord and believing God raised him from the dead. Once they do that, they have the gift of Holy Spirit, and then I can bring them right to Acts 2, 4. So once you are a Christian, you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. How did the apostles speak in tongues? Sometimes people think the Spirit does the speaking, but the Spirit does not do the speaking. In Acts 2, 4, it clearly says that the apostles began to speak in other or different languages, and they were able to do this because the Spirit gave them the words to speak. And if any member of your audience would just get in a quiet place and look at that verse and meditate upon it and see what it says, then they could put themselves forward and to begin to speak in other words, in other tongues, in other languages, and they would discover that the Spirit still gives the utterance to speak today. So I would encourage any of your audience to give that a try because God will work within them to will and to do of His good pleasure. But the last thing I would like to say, which is something that's always been on my heart with people, and it's two things that virtually all Christians do, and that is we pray and we read our Bibles. And I would like to encourage everyone, because I've been working on this myself, that when I pray, expect God to talk back. As I pray, expect that it's not a one-way street. My prayer time is not simply my laundry list to God of my needs, but I sit before him and I allow him to speak to me as well. And if people will do that, if they will take the time to listen, they'll find that God still speaks today during their prayer time. And another time that God speaks is while you read his word. Because really, in a very true sense, the written word is God speaking to you. But God can personalize that written word so that as you read it, God can draw your attention to a particular verse that he wants you to meditate on. And one of the things about meditating on scripture is you can't meditate in a hurry. You sit and you listen. If God draws your attention to a verse of scripture, look at it, turn it over in your mind and see what God has to tell you specifically for your life that day through his written word. That's awesome. Uh, That's one of the great benefits, too, of being a son of God and receiving Holy Spirit is that communication where the Father speaks with us as children. Yeah. That's uh, that's really good. Well, Bob, you have written a book titled One God, the Unfinished Reformation, which deals with the true identity of Jesus Christ. 
If someone would like to reach you to hear your teachings and or order a copy of your book, what would you say would be the best way for people to reach you? Perhaps the easiest way would be through our website, which is gcfnaperville.org. Mm-hmm. And that's Grace Christian Fellowship, Naperville.org. As to my book, I'm actually in the middle of a revision of it where I'm adding more material. But if somebody would simply contact me through the website, I can alert them to the information as to when it's published in the new edition. We'll put links up on the website to the GCFNaperville.org web address. Great. That would be wonderful. Thank you very much for joining us today. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome, Greg. God bless you. God bless you. That's the group Unspoken with the song Start a Fire. 
Let's right now hear some messages from a couple of our sponsors. If your business is looking to make a change, talk to the Carter Group. For 20 years, the Carter Group has been assisting in corporate relocations, asset management, even hospital transition planning, offering customized solutions with successful results. Not a one-size-fits-all solution, but a solution tailored with the success of your business in mind. For more information, call the Carter Group at 312-422-5555. Are you looking for mobile app development for your business or organization? Look no further than Wasatch Technology, developing mobile apps for both the iPhone and Android platform. Among our accomplishments, the Sedona Hiking App has made hiking the many Sedona trails exciting and fun. The Aramaic New Testament app allows the New Testament to come alive. The Grace Christian Fellowship app gives audio access to teachings. And coming soon, the Cayman Snorkel app. Call Wasatch Technology at 630-448-0261 or visit our website, wasatchtech.com. Honesty, loyalty, respect. These are words not applied to all mortgage and financial companies. But with Integrity Mortgage and Financial Incorporated, the name says it all. Integrity Mortgage prides themselves in maintaining an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. If you are interested in working with a company with integrity, call Neil Bodie for more information at 866-816-9810. 866-816-9810 for mortgage and financial needs. My heart is liberated with the realization that I'm saved by grace. You never wanted my flesh, but you know you have my heart and all of my days. Father, let my life be an offering of praise. I am a mighty conqueror and a helpless child. Lord, my heart and my flesh, they fail, but you are the strength of my life. I Freed from sin and born again Each new day a chance to trust you No longer enslaved By these worldly chains Oh Lord, my freedom is in serving you No longer enslaved by these worldly chains Oh Lord My freedom is in serving you That's Rachel Barbera with My freedom is in serving you I'd like to close out with a couple of verses here in Galatians chapter 2 in verse uh, 19 For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God Verse 20 I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
What a tremendous love it is, and we saw a lot of that in the scriptures earlier in the first part of the show where we saw how man's greatest need is eternal life because of the accomplished work of Jesus Christ that is available. God's love was displayed in the giving of his Son. And we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and who gave himself for us. Uh, let me just flip here to Second Corinthians. Just triggered a verse here in my mind. Uh, chapter 5. Verse 15, And that he died in place of all, Jesus Christ, he died in place of all, that they which live, you and I which live, should not henceforth live unto ourselves, but unto him which died for us and rose again. Let's live unto God because of what he has done for us through Jesus Christ and his wonderful love. Thank you for joining us today on the Solution Radio Show. Thank you to our guest, Reverend Bob Carden, for sharing his heart and life. All of the Solution Radio shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Uh, a reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day. That number is 844-705-3410. We'll play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please continue to keep in your prayers the further expansion of the Solution Radio Show. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and financial giving. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Once again, that address, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Thank you to our sponsors, The Carter Group, Integrity Mortgage and Financial, John's Handyman Service, Ameriprise Financial, Wastock Technology, Morningstar Computer. Thank you very much to our engineer and production support today, Mike Zulkowski. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best. You're tuned to The Big One. AM 1280 WBIG Aurora Naperville.